Welcome back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Austin. And guys, we have so much to talk about, you know, as we are heading into Memorial Day weekend, 2023, you know, be- at least here in Michigan, beautiful weather, a lot to be thankful for, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on. The unconstitutional uh, ATF brace rule, uh, that deadline is rapidly uh, is rapidly approaching at the end of the month. However, uh, there's some breaking news from a lot of sources. Um, I know at least one court blocked the rule uh, for some specific plaintiffs, I believe is what I read. Um, so then that's obviously triggering hope that it can be leveraged in other cases from places like, you know, um, the gun policy coalition, things like that, to to leverage that decision. And then also there's a lot of congressional hearings going on right now that are really putting putting the heat on the ATF and, and Director Dettelbach and things like that. So uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty pro-firearm. And this is, you know, honestly, guys, if whether you have an AR pistol or not, or you think that pistol braces are silly or not, you have to see the value behind this. You know, you have to understand that these are the kinds of decisions and precedents that we need to start winning these to start reclaiming uh, the ground, so to speak, right, in, in this... Uh, I guess war, right? We can call it a war in this war for our gun rights. You know, we've been slowly giving away our gun rights for the past almost 80 years. Uh, when you look at it over time, things like the NFA that, uh, you know, unconstitutionally classify short barrel weapons as items that need to be registered with, you know, with the government and they're, they're more dangerous and, oh, these, you know, braces get used and they make them more deadly. You know, we've seen video clips of there's, there's elected leaders that turn braces into bump, you know, they say uh, braces turn uh, a firearm fully auto. They act like a bump stock and it's just, it's not true, right? So this is the opportunity while this is out in the media, it's getting eyes, it's getting attention and, you know, play the game the way that the game is played. Uh, get those viral videos out there, share them, talk about these things. Look how ridiculous this person looks not being able to define an assault weapon, not being able to define, you know, uh, why a brace is more dangerous, not being able to cite more than maybe one or two instances, maybe three in the last several years here where a braced uh, firearm was used in any kind of, you know, uh, mass casualty incident and things like that. And aside from, you know, the very base understanding that, you know, firearms really aren't the problem, but lots of stuff going on. Super, super great, you know, weekend, long weekend, Memorial Day. I know there's a lot of emotion and things that are tied to that. I hope everybody takes the opportunity to to observe the holiday for what it means and what it truly is. Get outside, have some drinks, barbecue, right? Almost every vet I've ever talked to wishes all the same. You know, it's a celebration of a lot of things uh, and a remembrance of remembrance, I should say, of a lot of other things. So hopefully everybody takes advantage of the weekend and is able to pull some joy out of it. Um, But at any rate, you know, this week, uh, joined by an awesome guest, somebody that uh, I think a lot of you, if you're, if you're plugged in on social media, you know, Matt Pranka, you know, X-Ray Alpha, as he is uh, known on Instagram, he does what he calls his redneck podcasts. Uh, You know, great dude, lots of information to share. Um, you know, works and talks to a lot of guys, uh, or works with and talks to, I should say, a lot of people uh, in the industry space. So he has a lot to say, a lot to share, and he does it all over. You know, he's one of these, he's one of these unique instructors, I'll say that he actually goes out of his way to have a very pronounced and definitive footprint on social media. I know a lot of us hate it. I know it can get to be a lot. I know a lot of people don't care for the social media piece. They just want to stick to teaching. And I get that. 
but that's what makes that's one of the things right that makes Matt so unique and stand out. So very happy to be able to get some time uh, on on Matt's calendar and bring him on the pod here to have a conversation with me. Before I can get us over to that discussion, though, as always, you know we're we're sponsored here. We work with some really really cool companies, and I'm going to tell you guys about them. Uh, first is Midwest Gunworks. Guys, Midwest Gunworks has everything you need. Head on over to MidwestGunworks.com to pick up any AR parts you need to finish a build. Maybe you're going to upgrade that blaster that you started building a couple years ago when you just bought it to make sure you had it. Uh, you want to swap out a barrel, new bulk carrier group, stocks or, or furniture, grips, whatever you need, magazines, lights, optics. They have everything. You guys can use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET, all one word, to save 5% off your order. You can even pick up a sling. You need to have a sling, right? It's the holster of your rifle. They carry Edgar Sherman design slings, which are some top offerings in the market today. Great, great options. Guys, Midwest Gunworks has been in business since 97. They're not going to steer you wrong. If they say they got it in stock, they got it in stock. It's going to be shipped out to you. You're going to have it in hands. You can have a good time. Parts, full firearms, whatever you need, MidwestGunworks.com. Also, a big thank you to our friends, Garrett, Jonah, and Pierce over at 100 Concepts. Guys, you haven't been following what 100 Concepts has been doing in the last, oh, eight months or so. You are really missing the train. Their scope caps and their light caps really took off. A lot of people really like the idea. They like the simple concept. They like that they're field repairable when something should go wrong. Their company motto is do good, be dangerous, live free, and they are on a mission to bring great solutions to all of you. Just recently announced that they are being carried, or their products rather, are being carried at Big Tech's Ordnance and at T-Rex Arms, which is huge because those are some pretty gigantic names out in our industry. These dudes are doing the good work, you guys. Good, good quality products. Head on over to 100concepts.com. Again, you can pick up their scope caps, their light caps, some pack and helmet scrim, their new hex caps that they dropped a couple weeks ago that everyone is in love with, 100concepts.com. Thank you as well to LARP Labs. Guys, painting your rifle is part of a good camouflage plan. It's on the list of things that I really need to get done when I have some friends hang out with me, help me, show me how to do it the right way. But painting your optics, your lights, your lasers, it gets dicey. Companies don't like to honor warranties when you do that stuff. It sucks, but we pay a lot of money for these things. That's where LARP Labs comes in. Head on over to LARPLabs.com and check out the gigantic catalog of computer-cut vinyl wraps that they have for your optics, your flashlights, your weapon lights, your lasers, even your PVS-14s. This is 3M ultra-durable vinyl wrap that's used on competitive rock crawlers. It's rated for outdoor usage. has a lifespan of like three years, guys. It's incredible. John and his team did an outstanding job, and they even set you guys up with discount code PREPAREDMINDSET to save you 10% off when you head to LARPLabs.com to pick up a wrap for your EOTech, Aimpoint, your Sun, your Vortex, your SIG Optic, whatever you guys need. Let John take care of you. LARPLabs.com. Again, discount code is PREPAREDMINDSET for 10% off. And, as always, have to say thank you to Active Carry. Guys, medical is a huge part of everyday carry. It's a huge part of being well-prepared, and it should be a part of your kit when you leave the house, when you're out operating, LARPing, whatever you're going to do. If you got a firearm, you should be carrying medical. Head to activecarrytech.com. You can pick up components to round out the kit you have. Maybe you don't have a kit, and this is the time you need to grab one. You can get one of their Blazer IFACs, one of their Bolt kits, uh, their Duty Tactical V2 kit. 
tons of options, and they set you guys up with discount code PMP10 for 10% off. If you need something a little bit more robust or a little bit different than an IFAC, they have canine kits. If you work in law enforcement, run a canine, get a kit to take care of your four-legged friend. I know a lot of agencies don't have the funding for very robust medical for our canine companions. Head to activecarytech.com. Again, discount code PMP10. Grab a canine kit. Grab one of their Bortec trauma kits that is designed for those people that are down there protecting the border. All kinds of good options. A custom kit builder tool. Amazing company giving you guys options on American-made medical components. Don't be caught off guard when tragedy strikes. Head over to activecarytech.com. All right, guys. So, like I said earlier, my guest this week is Matt Pranka of X-Ray Alpha. And you know what? I'm not, there's nothing, nothing else to say. I'm going to shut up now and get on over to my talk with Matt. Here we go. Matt, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for making the time to join me. Oh, my pleasure, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Dude, a- absolutely. I think with what you, with what you do with your uh, like Instagram uh, live videos, and I know that's also shared over onto YouTube, I know a lot of people are, are very familiar with with what you do um, and the information that you try to put out there and and help people with. So I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to sit down and, and kind of pick your brain on some of this stuff. Um, Cause there's a ton out there, right? I think the training space is uh, large to say the least. Um, some good. Yeah, I agree. Um, no, so- yeah, it is it's definitely uh, flooded, you know, with a lot of different ideas, you know, like, like anything else, some good, some bad, different personalities, also some good, some bad, you know, from my mm-hmm. viewpoint. But yeah, it's, you see it, I almost, you can sort of see it growing kind of month by month. It does feel like, you know, and, and we were kind of talking about this offline a little bit, like you don't have to have like a, a super stacked like resume, right? To be a good teacher, right? But I do feel like, we end up seeing some people that just go, I like shooting. So I'm going to start a training company and I'm going to put out a bunch of information. And if people yeah. don't know, a lot of people don't know any better. And and that's it. You, you, you do see a lot of that. Um, I think you're, you're kind of in the, in the, in the training space, you're, you're sort of fighting three things, right? You've got experience, which I think it, it matters to a point. It's not the only thing. But then you also have a currency standpoint, like how current are you with what mm-hmm. you're doing? And then there's an enthusiasm standpoint. And I, I think if you have too much of any one of those, that's where problems start. Right. No, you can have that, yeah. guys that aren't in current, guys that aren't very current. They could have a lot of experience, but their enthusiasm is through the roof. And and the, that information may or not be, you know, good. It's not that it's it's bad for everybody. I do think different people need different things at different times as they go out through like their training journey, especially when it comes to shooting. But I also believe that there's, there are some things that you're better off learning from the get go. So you don't have to reteach yourself something else or relearn something else, you know, five, six, seven years down the road. Yeah. There's, um, there's definitely value in, in learning how to walk before you run. Um, and I think a lot of people find that you can get into some of those concepts, right? You can, you can run before you know how to walk, you can make it work, but to your point, right? Not having a good foundation, it, 
it catches up with all of us at some point, you know, you're not going to, you can't get by on just good looks alone forever. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The, and everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people do that. They put the cart before the horse with regards to training or they get a little bit of currency, you know, the enthusiasm's up, but they don't have kind of foundations that are developed and they really quickly want to get into some other facet of training, you know, whether it's a, the a tactic side or something like that, because they're more interested in that. And then also, I think you have to, a lot of people have to agree or at least recognize that that stuff is much easier to train than to build the foundation. Yeah, I, I think, well, it, it's, it's easier to train that stuff, I think, because it's easier to, Maybe not easier to train. It's easier to sell that, I think, you know, because it looks cool and guys get excited about it. And, you know, whether it's no matter what it is in life, I feel like the fundamental stuff is almost never, it's never the sexy thing. No one ever gets like super hyped about, you know, working on just a draw stroke or a grip. Like guys just want to go fast and put, put rounds down range and all the stuff they see on the internet. I get it. But, you know, then it, it's, it catches up. I, I've I've personally gone through it. You know, I've had to fix my grip two or three different times in the past two or three years when I realize, okay, well, I thought this was going to help me, but it didn't. Or I thought I was going to cut a corner here and it's not working, you know, and you just eventually have to just put in the time. You have to fix it. You have to get get to somebody that can help you, that can point it out, you know, who can look at what you're doing and go, this is what's wrong. And fundamentally address that issue so that you can get back to doing those things that you, you know, everyone wants to do the fun stuff. Right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people are looking for that one. They look for, they latch on to certain people or personalities. Hey, this is going to help me almost in absence of looking at what the end product is. You know, we, we talked about this before where a lot of guys will say, you know, being a good, a good shooter and being a good instructor are different. And I do think that at, on the instructor side, if you're looking at somebody, Hey, I'm going to train you or, or convey ideas and thoughts and concepts, which is what I do that are based off my journey of shooting. So if you don't like where my end state is, right. If I was just kind of a marginal shooter those thoughts, ideas, and concepts seem like they're less effective than somebody else that may have gotten to a much higher level. And even though I think you, you can get to a very high level and guys have don't have the ability to, to convey those ideas, hey, this is how I did this or this is what I'm doing, they just know it works for them and however they conceptualize it in their own mind, and they're not good at, at you know, talking about those ideas with other people or at least teaching other people those ideas or their way of doing it. But I do think you can't, when you see guys that are the quote unquote, the experts and you, you see like a very like mid-level range of performance and then they, then the, the, the answer in the training industry, well, I'll just apply umbrellas over it. Well, this is tactical. This is gunfighting. This is, this is what I'm focused on where it's like, yeah. okay, why don't you focus on high performance shooting rather than like, okay, this is just what, and I think people don't instructors don't know, Hey, this is, 
this is all they know. And it's a very telling look into where your experience lies. And I think, I think you nailed quite a bit with that, like that. I think for a long time, people looked at performance shooting as like, that's, that's competitive. That's the competitive side. I don't need to worry about that because I'm on the, and I wish it was a better name for it. Cause I cringe every time I call anything tactical, but like, Oh, I'm on the tactical side. So speed isn't, isn't always what's most yeah. important for me. And I, I, I think we're, we're finally seeing that go away, you know, and, and well, that I idea think, go away. I think guys that say that one, they don't have any speed there. There's no reservoir there for them to dig into, especially if you have to introduce control into it. And I can only talk from my experience, but the one reoccurring theme from every single engagement I've been in is that it's very, very fast. That's the one they've all had in common. And I think if you look at, you know, body cam footage from the law enforcement side, you know, some helmet cam footages, those those situations unfold pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and then the shooting, like kind of the performance delivery of the hard skill, whatever it is with a rifle or a pistol, that all happens relatively fast. Um, now, oh, yeah. and I think if you if you were to look at it just for the sake of argument, you know, you look at a hundred engagements and the shooting, each law enforcement guy was shooting, let's say at three tenths, that's three tenths is the splits. That's how fast he's pulling the trigger for every shot. So, okay. That's what the real life performance based that situation requires. And you could even say that's required across this large swath of situations that, that can't ever be the goal of where you train. Right. You're you're not going to. Oh, I'm at three oh splits on the range when everything's comfortable and I'm in my own little safe haven and every, I, I feel good. It's sunny. That's not where your performance needs to lie, because that three oh on those conditions during game day starts to be less and less. Right. We've all heard that yeah. before. The, the idea that, hey, you're never going to rise, rise to the occasion or default to your lowest level of training. Those things that are old sayings that I've heard going back to when I, you know, early nineties, when I first joined the military, those still hold true. But mm -hmm. what people now, you know, with, with social media, with how information's pushed out so fast, um, what you can't convey in a, a, a 15 second video or a 30 second video is how much work it takes to get there. And that's where I've seen, on the training side, as soon as guys realize that, oh, let me get under this tactical umbrella where half second splits are going to be good, right? Or and then it's they they do a lot of things like like the the constant shit talking about killed in the streets competitive stuff, right? That comes from guys too that that have never and will never be in a gunfight. Yeah, it's it's like you, you can't you can't cherry pick. And or pick and choose context to apply to a situation to try and debunk. You know what I mean? Because I, I think that's what guys do when they try to take the, you know, cross the the wires, so to speak, right between competitive and tactical, and go, oh well, you can't do that because that's going to get you killed. That's not realistic. It's like, well, okay, maybe to a point that is true, but would I do that anyways? Like, or am I going to be smart enough to think through this? Am I going to be? I mean, there's just so many ifs and buts when when you get into that kind of thinking. I think it's 
it's really like self-destructive because you can almost <laughs> knock down any reason for any kind of training ever at that point. Yeah, I think when you look at the two different camps, uh, you know, competitive guys versus tactical, there's only one one of those camps that are that are regularly making always and never statements, and it's the tactical guys. Competitive guys are never saying, I'll never do this, I always do this, because one, they're they're more actively engaged in like displaying their skills in a competitive context. Mm -hmm. And and then they have to be, if you want to win, you want to be good, you want to be a top level guy, you have to be good at so many things across the board. You have to be a very high level at a bunch of different skills where the tactical guys will don't have to be that or they can develop kind of a modicum of skill and then it be like it, it remains untested for the remainder of their life well and i think in the tactical space at least if you're um like an operating professional whether that's military or law enforcement or whatever you also work in a team more than likely maybe not always but whereas in the competitive side it's a it truly is. It's a metric of your individual performance. Um, I say that as somebody who's never done either of, th of those two things, um, but from everything I've seen, and there may be competitive team events, but a lot of it is individual competition. So there's yeah. nothing to sit there. Like you can't ride the coattails. You can't ride it out and just, oh yeah, well, I mean, I was good enough and the rest of your team carried you on. Um, and right. I think it's, it's this completely honest to say that there are law enforcement that, that do that. They just, they coast and have other people carry them. I I think there is. I think it, even if it's not, if, even if it's not other people carrying them, you know, as like the, the patrol officer, but it's, it could be like statistics carrying them. Like, Hey, chances are I'm not going to get in a fight. There's, there's more officers that have gone 20 years in a career and never had to shoot anyone. than there are mm -hmm. that have had to. So from a, now I, that obviously varies from what part of the country you work sure. in and departments sure. and what your actual assignment is. But even I think in the most dangerous of assignments, you know, statistically guys spend more time not having to shoot, you know, armed dedicated suspects than, than they do having to do that. So it's a, it starts to be, it's, you know, if for the serious guys, the guys that take this, take their job serious, treat it as they are a gun professional. Um, they're training for, they, they're, they're spending a hundred percent of their training time training for a 1% or less than that of their actual work time. Well, and yeah, I think, I mean, you can't, I mean, statistics are good for a lot of things. But I don't, it should never be a justification again, I think, of why you don't train. Like, those are the people that'll sit there and go, oh, well, you know, statistically, most gunfights don't go past six rounds. So why do I need to carry more than seven? And it's like, well, um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Magazines fail, you could miss, there could be more than one guy. I mean, it, I mean yeah. you can, you can't really, I mean, you could try to talk your way out of it. But the, in my opinion, anyways, the reality is that some of these things just don't make sense. You can look at the numbers all day, but that's the nice thing about numbers is you can make them say whatever you want. That is, and there, there's, there's plenty of companies that do that, right? They're going to take data sets from for science and build everything around that. And because no one's willing 
to question it or it it becomes the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, this is the data set and I've had plenty of of my friends, one guy specifically who um went to one of these companies courses that they're big into the data thing. Well, he just happened to be a uh has a degree in statistics. He's a statistician, works for the government and started asking them questions about hey you're this seems flawed the data gets completely <laughs> kind of there it is yeah the owner of the company walks away from him you know and he's a very instagram worthy guy and then other guys are really apologetic end up offering him a seat to another course he doesn't go back to the second one cuz right there like he's he's a very serious guy that does this for a living as a professional and, and hey, tried the course and saw it for what it was like, this is like some sort of fantasy camp thing. And it's it's all marketing. It's all built around kind of crap that and also when you see the people teaching it now, we OK, you're very enthusiastic. You're very interested in this, but your experience and currency are like out in the basement. There's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's that's one of the the big issues where guys that, that, that lean so heavily on statistics and like you could take data sets from four science and make them say whatever you want. Yeah. And, well, and, and that, that perspective I think is what people like, I think people miss when you're looking at, maybe it's evaluating, do I want to take this course or I'm in a course and I'm evaluating, what am I getting out of this? You know, uh, you can dress a lot of different things up. I think you can create a lot of situations, but I think what you should, we should be looking at is, are we creating a scenario to fit the training we've designed or are we creating training to cover scenarios that are actually being encountered that we're actually likely to come across in the real world, which, and, and again, that could be different, right? If you're in law enforcement, you're going to cover a whole lot of stuff that I, as a civilian would not. Right. And somebody in the military, obviously, even you're talking about even different things now. So it's kind of like we were talking before, even with like with the learning process, cart before the horse, it's kind of like building your training backwards to make it more marketable because it's a big business. Oh, that it, it's a, it's huge. It's huge business. And that's what I think a lot of guys do is. It's they you know, I, I would always joke about this, right? From the like the the professional veteran mentality, it's like a you know, step one, you're going to retire. Step two, you're going to look the part. You got to get the right clothes, the right kit, the right everything. Step three, you're going to start a company, market that company, what you're selling, whatever your shtick is, and then step four, we're going to make some curriculum, and step five is you're going to learn how to shoot. Like yeah. it's, it's completely backwards from where it, it would be, but it's because it is this industry. It is a business. There are people that, you know, they want to be successful from the business standpoint. And the training industry is one of those things where you can get into it and be very, very successful with very, very low level. of skill. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can talk and you can create, a product that people are interested in and all, 
everyone is willing to look past the fact that what you're teaching, whether it's valuable or not, whether it's it's good for them or not, they like training with you. So that's the training they go with. And it, it's a very weird dynamic. And, and it's it's not just on the civilian side. There are entire agencies that do that are not concerned. They're concerned about who they train with rather than what the training is. Yeah, it's it almost becomes I mean, and maybe on the civilian side more because um, I've never spent any time on the government side or anything like that. It's been a you know lifelong civilian, but you, it's it starts to become like a, um, like. I don't know, like you're collecting Pokemon cards or something like, oh, look, I went and trained with this one. I went and trained with this. And it's like, well, but that's I mean, that's cool, right? Because there are a lot of good people teaching out there, but that is not indicative of your personal skill. You know, I mean, civilian classes for the most part last. I mean, I don't know if you get a long class, it's two, three days, right? So you're looking at maybe 30 hours total right there. If that's, you know, long 10 hour days and everything. That's not in the grand scheme enough time, I think, to learn everything that person has to teach you, nor is that a reflection of, well, you know, I went and trained with Matt. And so now I know everything Matt knows. We spent a weekend together. It's great. Yeah. Like, no. I think it's no, I think for I, I would assess, you know, I'm not active in the, the civilian training world, but I kind of look at what you see out there as it's more of like you know, it's entertainment, entertainment rather than actual training. And it is that I want to go train with this guy. The guys that are serious, especially on the competitive side, they're training with a handful of dudes, right? That are that are national champions that are winning. But these people are are putting in extraordinary amounts of effort more than any special operations dude, right? They're loading their own ammo. They're dry firing every day. They're shooting live, you know, one to two, sometimes more, maybe three times a week. They're committing a lot of time and resources in terms of money, you know, gear to fly to matches, fly to competitions to go do it. They're very invested in this. Where if you look at that then now from kind of the market that I'm going go after on the LE side, very few people on the LE side do that like single digit percentages across the board. And, and it's hard when you're, you're trying to, to change, you know, attack paradigms and training for the sake of look, this, this is what I believe is right. This is what I believe is going to make you successful in the ways that, you're going to survive engagements. You're going to be able to come home every night. You're going to have skills that give you confidence to where you're not, you know, the stress level can go down. You're, you're going to kind of be inoc- inoculated to the performance anxiety that I think some officers have or would see when a real deadly, like lethal, you know, deadly force type encounter happens. Yeah. And all of that comes from, very very basic stuff which doesn't it's not flashy it doesn't it doesn't market well you know but kind of the proof is in the pudding where it's like hey i I, like i would put this against anybody you take somebody else and train them in your system for a year and i'll just pick some random dude and train him my way for a year 
And at the end of the year, let's see who made the biggest headway. And that's yeah, it's it's tough because I think, you know, especially in the LE space, like I I feel for those guys because I know a lot of them would like the opportunity to do more. I know a lot don't care, and that's unfortunate as well. But a lot of guys, it's okay, well, you're only making X amount a year. You have to either, you know, you have to take time off to go to a lot of this training because your department either won't send you, doesn't have the budget is more concerned with liability, whatever. Um, and on top of that, you got a family. You want to be able to do nice things for them. Vacation would be, you know, yeah. great, all that stuff. It's it's a, t- it's, it, it's a tough scenario to be in. But at the same time, I mean, I think there's a certain, and with all of us, right? So like open the scope all the way up, anybody. There's a certain amount of honesty, I think, that needs to be brought to the discussion. Like realistically, what are you doing? you're training for something that could get you killed, whether it's a yeah. self-defense situation, whether it's law enforcement. So you're just going to work or whatever. Like, let's just be real about it. Call it what it is. Just be honest with yourself. And I think it becomes a whole different discussion. I, I think there's, there's people that don't, they, they don't possess, they don't possess the ability or have the capacity to see that as a realistic thing in the Ellie side. So for me, it's I understand all those things, right? The time, the resource, departments don't have a lot of money, everything. Where what I think is the answer is then I'm going to continue to put out as much information for free as I can, right? What I deem like quality information. If people hit me up like, hey, I'd like to see a video on this, I'll make a video on that. Guys that send me messages, send me emails, I will meet your le- your level of enthusiasm, I'll match it and one-up you, right? And it turns into a free teletraining thing. Like what I don't think I'll ever find myself doing is is shunning people away, which is, is you know, a lot of different companies, hey, you need to get into my pay service. You need to join yeah. my, my, my tactical only fans. And let me... Then, then that's going to give you the answers. Like, hey, if this guy took the time to write you a DM on Instagram that's long enough and you don't, your response is you sign up for my program, I would like to think that that guy flips you the fucking finger, gives you the unfollow, and looks somewhere else. Yeah. Like, that dude spent a lot of time, you know, if it if it's if it's written well, like hey, I've got a question, whatever. I I get, you know, not an extreme about messages, but I would say I'm I'm at about maybe a hundred and twenty to two hundred a day. Damn man, and some of them are, you know, it it does it takes a lot of time, but that's where I think my focus is is I want dudes to get better, you know, and. If, if you write me a long, detailed message, hey, this is what I'm experiencing, I'm going to do my best to answer it the best I can. Right. Yeah. And and then usually that guy, you give him something to work on, and I've had it to where I don't hear from him two, three months. Then I'll get a video. Hey, this is what I'm working on. Yep, I, it takes me five minutes to do a little video critique. This is what I see. This is what I would work on, right? And it doesn't take a lot to do that. Um or maybe it does take a lot. It doesn't take me a lot to do that. So, but that's, that is the interest in my level of interest in this trading environment. It's not, well, let me push you over 
to my, you know, my Patreon account or my tactic only fans and you just hit me up there. And then, and I've even heard of guys having bad experiences with that, where they'll ask a question when they're in the pay service of somebody and they're like, well, you need to go back. I've already, I've already made a video on that. That, that one, that one does. I mean, I, I, it's some avenues. I get it. You know, like, Hey, I did a, you know, if it's like, Hey, good question. I already did an in-depth on this, like, check it out. I'll shoot you the link separately or something. Cool. That's one thing. But there are some people and I've seen it a bunch of times where they'll just go, you know, we've already covered this. You need to go check it out. And it's like, well, when did you cover it? If it's on Instagram six months ago or two years ago, that could be 8,000 posts ago. How the hell am I supposed to find this? Like, yeah, help somebody out. Like, did it take that long? If you have the link, share it. If you can give them a summary, go ahead. I mean, I think that for a lot of the things that this community does well, the training space, um, I I still don't think that we're a very, I don't want to use the word nurturing because that's kind of not the right word. You know what I mean? But like, we still don't, a lot of people are in it for only themselves and not for trying to help people that want to be more effective. They want to be better prepared. I would say the vast fucking majority of people of instructors are in it for themselves the dudes that like anybody that's familiar with me you see the guys that i associate with they are not in it for themselves and if at any point in my own opinion if i would assess somebody flipped and they're like nope now this is your focus changed to something else it'd be like cool i'm just gonna kind of drift away from you and keep working with what i'm doing the guys that i associate with i do so for a reason because when i was when i had questions when i was training you know trying to make gym and i reached out to these guys they met me with tons of information didn't push me to a fucking website like it was phone calls everything else and that's where i think the industry needs to be does it obviously everyone's in it to make money cool have classes, make money, do what you're going to do. But, but understand that like, we're not, I I say it all the time. Like we're not fucking teaching people how to work out. This isn't like CrossFit certification, you know, it's, there are guys who are very invested in this, who want to get better and they are going to rely on the things that you say in the worst possible times of their life. So you better make sure what you're giving them is, you know, the most current thing. It's not some polished stick that is backed up by nothing, right? It And are you doing, as an instructor, are you doing the appropriate amount of work to evolve and continue this evolution of training? Or are you just practicing to teach what you teach? Because you see the end state i've heard it plenty of times i've heard it from a number of guys like hey man i don't want to be on the range in five years it's like well then we're completely different because if i'm lucky enough to still have people that are interested in training with me i'll 100 percent be on the range in five years in 10 years you know and that's where i think the the kind of the dedication to the evolution of training and actually forwarding you know, forging this industry forward, skill forward, you know, individual skill, individual training modality, the way that people train, because that in itself has kind of changed 
over the last, you know, even 10 years. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's we've seen in the you know, last 10 years for sure. But I mean, you could probably even say less. And I I mean, the term I always say is like um, it, it's like a like a dichotomy, right? Because it, it used to be very very different between the competitive side and the tactical side of things. And now we have things coming together and kind of, we're starting to get that clearer picture of what things should look like. And we're also starting to get people that are with that, like yourself, that can, that can give that information and maybe some perspective, maybe some context with it and, and go, listen, I've done both. Here's the overlap. And this is truly, you know, what matters. Um, I, I think where we, unfortunately we fall short as people go, I don't want to like, I won't look at content or information from a competitive shooter because I'm not interested in competitive shooting. And you look at it from a very black yeah. and white standpoint. And I think you miss a ton there. I, I know. You, Cause I used to be that guy. You miss, you miss everything there. And the only thing I can say are the, in the, in the tactical shooting world, the best guys in the business only look to competitive shooters for for their training. They don't pay one fucking second of attention to a tactical shooter. It's not even no one gives a shit about that. And that's where tech like okay great you were a cop for so long or whatever. No mm -hmm. one fucking cares about that level of experience. Now if you're if you can do something, you've trained yourself to a very high level. That's what's interesting to guys. Oh, you're a you're you're a competitive M class shooter, a competitive GM shooter that's constantly training and evolving. You can speak about how you train and how you've gotten to this level, right? You've done it all on your own. Like that is that's unique. The showing up every day for twenty years to some department and on a part time SWAT team, no one's fucking interested in that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not to say that there's not like no lack of respect for people to do that, obviously, but like, no, it's just not, it's not enough to say I, I did this. And yeah. What I'm saying are is no one's interested in that at the highest levels. Right. Right. Like we're not look, you know, the top tier guys, you know, the top tier of law enforcement, the full-time guy, they are not looking to those dudes for any ideas or concepts. And, the, you know, from my experience, the places that I've worked, we only look to competitive competitive shooters for shooting. When we wanted to drive, we looked to race car drivers. When yeah. we were skydiving, we looked to professional skydivers because the, that is where those are the true subject matter experts. It's not some fucking Muldoon that spent 10 years on an ODA that says I'm a subject matter expert like no, you're not. I hate to tell you, but you're just not. You might be a subject matter expert. You're the big fish in the bucket that you were swimming around in. But in terms of the whole world, no, you're not an expert at shit. No, and, and, I, I, and that's why we, we have such a problem, I think, especially when people look at social media as their their primary oh, resource okay. for you know information. I mean, Dude. there was a post, I think, last week that I know uh, you commented around it and I, I remember seeing it this thing was completely idiotic, but it was this post being shared around in several circles uh, talking about how marksmanship doesn't matter. And, you know, and I, there was more, there was slightly more to it, but the, the point was 
marksmanship's not important because you're going to have to survive in the woods. You have to do all this other stuff. And I think it's this, I mean, like, yeah, again, you could apply that context and go, yeah, in a bad situation, right? You could, but. Every single one of the, great. Yeah. So I get it. In terms of surviving, yes, surviving in the woods, patrolling is good. From a keeping, you know, running a, a patrol, whether it's a recce patrol or a squad size patrol or a platoon patrol, keeping them alive against an adversary comes down to marksmanship. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is where like when people start talking about this, and I will say to everyone, you know, that I've ever come across that makes these statements in the social media world, it's like, hey, really quick, no problem. Let's jump on a live and talk about this. Let's let everybody you're an expert, right? You have something to say. I have some, let's talk about it to a fucking man. None of those dudes will talk live about it. No, I think it's, uh, it's a, um, well, let me, let me, they won't talk live. They won't talk live to me. They'll go into their own echo chamber and talk live amongst themselves, but it's like, Hey, well, let's talk about this. You're the one that's saying this doesn't matter. I have a different experience set than you do. So let's talk. And everyone is like, I'm not going to do it. They want to bang it out in the comments, which where with at any point you can either, you can delete someone's comment on your post. You can just step away from it and be like, Oh, whatever you can, some little quip, which some of them are very good and just it kind of walk away from it like a mic drop, but nothing mm-hmm. really gets solved. And that is where, like, I think, you know, the social media side, yes, it's it's a hundred percent necessary for business. It's unfortunate that it is. You know, when I first started Extra Alpha, I didn't have a social media and going after jobs and contracts, I didn't get two big ones and ended up talking to a police chief that was like, Well, we just don't know who you are, so we're going with this guy. And I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like you're you're a yeah. a bona fide agency with a you know full-time regional fucking SWAT team and you're going after a guy based off of Instagram. And it's like, like you, guys, you guys have access to background checks and information people normal people can't get, and you're going off of an Instagram page for your decision making. It's like and okay. You should tell everybody everything they need to know about government work. Not all oh, of it. <laughs> yeah, it that was honestly like that created some conversations and then it was, you know, with other guys that I respect in the industry, like, yeah, you got to do it and reluctantly started an Instagram page and, you know, kind of didn't do anything with Facebook and just stayed on Instagram. And now I will tell you (laughs) at a minimum, I want to rage quit Instagram probably two times a week. It's, it, it is. So, I mean, I know people enjoy the content and everything, and I also understand that I'm not, you know, I'm not much at all. Right. But I will tell you that I definitely get to the point almost every week where I'm like, man, I have to make a post today to keep up with the stupid algorithm. But man, I hate it. You know, and I've talked to guys. Uh, I've had people on the I've had a lot of guys come through the pod. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but guys who've done great things. I've had guys like Dutch Moyer on. I've had. I've had guys like Bob Keller that have been on uh, and, and you know, and these are guys that have achieved at high levels, done things that the rest of us can't, you know, dream about. 
right? And what's the the constant? You know, uh, Drew Estel from Bear Solutions, right? Every one of these guys, man, I hate social media. Man, I understand I got to do it. But man, I freaking hate social media. It is such a pain in the ass. Dude, but it's it's the world we live in. I, man, I kind of when I got into it, the one thing I, I kind of committed to myself or promised myself, I was like, I'm going to be the realest version of me that I can be on there. And it's got me into trouble. It's got me, you know, it probably doesn't do me any favors in terms of growing a platform or, or anything like that. But I'm, I just think I get more, you know, for any bit of hate DMs or hate mail that I get from it, I'll get 10 times that much of, of people are just think it's refreshing. It's finally somebody fucking being honest, right? Because Instagram, dude, I would, I would, the one sentence I think I say plenty, like in classes, like Instagram is ruining shooting one video at a time. There's <laughs> enough fucking clowns out there that don't know what the fuck they're doing. There's guys yeah. that I've had in my classes that I didn't even know they were, whatever, 60, 70, 80,000 followers for their company. And then two weeks after they take a class, they're, they're regurgitating things that, that I train on that are now their thing. And it's like, okay, dude, you're, you're crushing my, you're doing phenomenal things for my business because you're explaining it incorrectly. So keep doing it, dude. Like, that's great. You should have probably taken better fucking notes in the class, but that's, that's the way it works, right? You can, you can get a rebirth and be anyone that you want to be on social media and consumers of it. Don't see that. They just see an end state. Well, guys that travel in this community see entire backgrounds and legacy stuff for years and years and years. And it forms opinions mm-hmm. about what, what you're seeing. And, and I think it's, you know, now saying all that, I have met some phenomenal people like through social media, guys that are really into training, guys that, you know, are full time SWAT cops at different agencies that I would have never connected with. So that ease of connection is really good. But honestly, like it's the amount of nonsense that you have to sift through to um to find what I would consider is is relevant or like worthwhile to pay attention to. It's, it's insane. It's a, it's a full-time job. Well, it's, and unfortunately for people who are new to the space, right. It, it, there's like this ever growing level of, I'll use the word vigilance, right. You have to have when you're like vetting some of this information that comes through, that's, what's so dangerous with people that, you know, like, you obviously, you know, look at everything that happened in, in 2020, right? The world's on fire. No one trusts anybody. And we all, th- you know, major cities, riots and everything. So people go out and get their CPL and they, they get a gun. And then the guy at the gun counter says, well, make sure you get some training and you can find all kinds of stuff online. So people start looking around online. You don't know what you don't know. So you're looking at these people. I mean, um, something I saw years ago that stuck with me is when Pat, uh, Pat McNamara did a video on range theatrics, you know, such so some of the dumb shit people do like snatching the gun back after one round or the stop and look and scan. And, uh, you just, you know, the dramatically it, slow reholstering and people think that's right and necessary. It is, but also like for my optic on, on Pat, it's, 
it's a dude that's a living caricature of a person talking about range theatrics. Your whole shtick is theatrics. Like, well, yeah, it's it's like that's that's the rub where you know obviously there's tons of dirty knowledge there, but it's like. I'm watching a guy talk about and, and I get it. The message is good. Yes. St stick to the basics, do things that make sense, be able to explain the why you do it. So I agree with everything that Pat says in that, but also like you're a character. Oh, true. Oh, for it's sure. And I know that's why guys, some guys that that's why they love him. And I'm like, it's not my thing. Um, mad respect for the guy. It's just not my bit, you know? And yeah see past that and and get the value out of it but there's people legitimately taking those things and applying them and making them real training not because of pat's video i'm saying there are guys out there teaching the snatch the gun back you know and and the stop and look and scan and stuff and it's like well is it all i mean and i don't know i've never actually been taught that i've only been to a handful of classes but it always seems to be one of those things that people make a very dramatic point out of and it's like okay is it really necessary? What should you be working on? Should you be looking to move instead of just standing there? I mean, there's other things to think about. So I think where, you know, to go to like Pat's point where, you know, he's been around for a long time and has seen organizational training, right? And I have participated in a ton of organizational training as, as like an end user. And you, you have to understand, okay, hey, the, you're going to shoot a drill, you know, come up, shoot two rounds, shoot a failure, draw two rounds in the body, one round in the head, and then scan and assess. The scan and assess is not like them having you do that at the end of every drill is not that that is actually how you scan and assess. It's a way for a bunch of guys on a line with instructors standing behind them that everyone is thinking about an order of battle that has to happen post an engagement. Not that that is actually how you would do it, you know, but that, okay, you're, you're, do, you're, you're doing the movement that we taught you, right? It's going to go left, going to go right, whatever, but you're, you're shoulder to shoulder, 40 guys on a line. Like that's institutional organizational training. It, it has to be that way. It was the same reason why I believe like the five position draw was taught, right? It's not the most efficient draw in any way, shape or form. It never was. But, you know, but guys start with their fake fake SWAT hands out like they're holding the rifle. They yeah. grab the pistol. That's one. It comes out of the holster, two. It rotates to the target. That's three. Four makes the grip. And five is the press out. It has nothing to do that that, that draw is the best, most efficient draw. It's a good enough draw for anyone to do. The thing is, it's a if we get everyone doing that, one guy can sit and watch 40 shooters and assess that everyone's doing the same thing. So it gives you a system on what to do and how to do it with very clear explanations as to what you're doing at certain times and why you're doing. Now, whether those prove to be, you know, real in terms of a gunfighting context, once guys had more and more experience, that's irrelevant. The fact is that that came up as an organizational thing the one guy could watch 40 dudes draw and be like, yep, everyone's doing what we taught them in the class. So, so as somebody who's been, I mean, you spend time in the military where you, I assume learned a draw stroke there and then post-military 
you're also a grandmaster, right? So would you still say that something like that is a, is the right starting point for people to learn how to draw? Or is it that we just, it's too, I mean, military, law enforcement, government, big companies, it's all the same. Getting any large amount of people to change any process, large or small, is all is always a huge endeavor. Yeah. So is it just, that's the way we've always done it and it's too difficult to change it? Or is it legitimately still a good starting point, you think? No, I don't think it's a good starting point for an individual. And then for organizations, the starting point is not, hey, what draw are we going to teach them? It's it's how are we going to select and how are we going to train instructors? Yeah. That's the that's where you have to go with this rather than there there is not an organization anywhere that selects instructors to be range staff based off their shooting ability. I challenge anyone for that. It's 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 time on the job. It's it's hey, this is your next position. They never look at like, hey, this guy this guy in this platoon is a very good shooter. We need to pull him off the operational line and stick him into this training cadre. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at the highest levels. They don't pick instructors for the, you know, where I used to work the training course based off how good they are. It's, it's literally, this is your time. You have to move over there. Now guys get good. They, they develop, they get better. Guys realize, hey, I'm a really, I'm really good at teaching, or I, I really enjoy this, and they develop into that. But it's never picked like this dude is. He is a phenomenal shooter. Like we need to put him on, onto a training cadre. I don't think anyone's doing that. No, um, it's, it's your turn in the rotation. So have at it. Yeah, it's the same way where. You know, you see a lot of, you know, organizational norms that are that run into problems where with like picking guys for a SWAT team. Right. It's I don't I don't think for most places it's like it's pretty much picked off of like a PT test and maybe some other tests. But there the assessment period is so short where that's all they're able to do. So you kind of hey, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. You can't say, oh, well, this guy's not good. Well, you fucking assessed him for two days. Of course he's not good. Like, Yeah. What can you CQ, tell in two days? CQB, tra- CQB training starts with how you assess people to take part in that training. 100%. Like that, that kind of, that kind of dictates it, right? You have to have certain attributes, certain personality traits, certain individual skills that are going to make you more successful, make you more trainable at these higher levels. And you're not going to bring that out based off of how many fucking pushups you can do. It's never going to be that way. Yeah. I think, and I think that on both sides, you know, uh, law enforcement and civilian and and military, I mean, in any of it, I think people kind of miss the mark with that altogether. They just, they look at, like I said earlier, you know, the line on the resume, like, Hey, it was, in this branch of the military or this unit, or I was this job role. And now I'm going to be a good person for you to learn from. And maybe they will be right. Um, I guess maybe that's one of the benefits of social media is that you can, you can start looking at some of the things they're doing maybe. Right. And, and get an idea. Hey, is this, is this going to be a good idea for me? But it's also very difficult 
because as we were saying earlier, right? Like anybody can dress it up. It, it, yeah. it, can, it can be a hundred different things. I'll tell you for me, it's somebody's pedigree. It factors zero into whether or not I'm interested in having a shooting discussion with them. It's I'm more concerned about not what, what guys have done in the past. It's like, what are you doing right now on your shooting journey? Because the I would say the best dudes from a shooting standpoint in the world have had nothing to do with fucking military or law enforcement. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the competitive shooters, not not all of them, but a lot of them, yeah, they don't, they've never. Not even on the competitive team. side. The best guys, the best groups of guys that are doing stuff like from concealment, from EDC, have never done shit in the mill. Yeah. They're That's just, true. so, and and those those are guys that are defensive-minded in nature, right? The The best guys from, that are teaching combatives right what what i would what matt pranker would assess these are the best hand-to-hand dudes you know and and encompassing that into a system have had no fucking military or law enforcement experience yeah i i I think i think that the civilian space right i think it just allows for and this is not a rule a hard and fast rule but i think it just allows for more innovation more free thinking and then you can kind of further shape that idea. But I, I, I think it gets discounted when people hear, well, you were never in a service oriented role, right? Which whatever degree. So yeah. a lot of That's guys get, a, you know, they poo poo on that just because you never wore the uniform. That, that is such a cop out, man. It's like the best dudes that when I was wearing a uniform that I was trained by never wore it. Like, and that's where I think guys, maybe social media has a lot to do it. Maybe lack of research, lack of understanding has something to do with it on the individual that's like looking for training, like service, service in the military or service in any capacity does not equate to fucking skill, not even individual skill. I think people would be amazed at how little fucking special operations guys shoot like across the board. Yeah. Having talked to quite a few, I've actually had people tell me that straight up. Like we don't spend a lot of time guys that were, you know, green berets and Rangers and stuff. And like, like we don't spend that much time shooting. Like you you have any idea how much other stuff we have to do? Like you just management. That's always the, that's always the cop out. Oh, we got to be so good at everything. It's like, well, dude, from my optic, you you weren't good at any of it. You were good at working out, getting tattoos, and getting your truck lifted. Like that's that's what you were good at. In There's terms of guys show up, like white side soft guys show up, and it's like, okay, yeah, you're good dudes or whatever. But now, if you have something that needs to be very technical, and we need to. Now apply this in an operational context and all of a sudden you see people scrambling around and fucking shit up left and right. And you're like, wait a minute, what, this is your bread and butter. This is what you guys, this is your charter. This is one of your medals. This is one of your primary medals. Like, why are you not good at it? Well, we've been focusing on this and it's, you almost want to stop and be like, well, then what the fuck are you good at? 
Explain yeah. that to me. Like, because I, I see your asses in the fucking gym. Your whole ODA is fucking gigantic. You guys are beasts, right? Yeah. So is that what you're good? Like, unfortunately, that's not what we need to apply to this problem set. Like, we need something else. And that's, so that's, and that's funny you, you bring that up because that's one of the, like, one of the things that I get feedback the most on is like, Hey man, you have to be able to lift more. You have to be able to run faster. You don't look skinny enough. You know, I know there's other guys in the space that get it. Like Lucas from T-Rex arms gets, I can't even imagine all the shit he gets cause he's skinny. And now he's on this journey of trying to add on weight and stuff. And it's like, does that have anything to do with how well he, he shoots? Like, yeah, he's super skinny. I mean, you can, you can, you can work so, on it. Be honest with the assessment though. And go, does that matter as much as your ability to do other things? Shooting performance wise, I would say clearly he's people. Fine. People love to hate on Lucas, and I believe like that this comes from a position of jealousy. A hundred percent. It's yeah. he's got pretty much unlimited access to ammo. He's got all the guns anybody could want. He has all the resources to train. You know, and what they they see an end state and it's very easy to like to to hate on that like oh well he's dressing up in kit and he never did the job or whatever like okay that doesn't those two things have nothing to do with each other like he has exactly, exactly. the ability to to have the equipment or whatever but he he created that himself right for what he did in his company how he handled that what he did in terms of videos and everything else. And he kept, you know, whatever he did, he kept reinvesting and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now they see an end state product, but they don't see what he did to get there. Right. And if you, it'd be really interesting. Like if you look at some of Lucas's earlier videos, it was still, even though his shooting and what he, how he was training looked different it was still significantly better than what most of the mill was doing at that time. And that's where I think the jealousy comes in, right? It's whatever. It can be equipment jealousy. It can be, I'm a vet and he's wearing that. He's doing shit better than I ever did. So that pisses me off. So now I'm going to hate on that. Uh, You know, there's, there's a number of things. The one thing I like, not the, not the, not the one thing, but I like, Lucas's commitment to advancing training, his own personal training, the information he puts out, how he puts it out. He's got the resources to make very, very good video, right? And then the conversations that I've had with him, his willingness to talk about almost anything and be receptive, but not be receptive in the point of like fanboy receptive, like just point counterpoint back and forth and, yeah. and 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 being like okay because i think there are things that competitive guys um you know that some of the dudes that i kind of cohort with in this the shooting industry have changed the way that he looks at training and and now you see it's it's better for everyone he's got a huge platform the hating on it i just i reposted a video just today of him shooting cqb warm-up and I'll get messages like, dude, I fucking want to hate on him, but that shit was good. And it's like, well, don't 
like I get it. I understand that, but you've got to be honest with where that statements come. You, oh, I want to fucking hate him, but why? Like then you know what? If you want to hate him, work on yourself, fix yourself, right? And I yeah. do plenty of hating on. Like I would like to think, maybe this isn't true, but in my mind. I'm not hating on people, but I will or attacking people. I try not to. There's a couple that I do because I absolutely hate them <laughs> as human beings. But I'll I will attack ideas. Yes, and like, I think that that's an important distinction that people fail to realize. People can't see past. I, I mean, and, and honestly, I think it's only getting worse in society. Like it goes beyond shooting, right? People are not good at taking any kind of criticism or negative feedback. If you can see it for what it is and it's like, <laughs> Hey, Matt's yeah. telling you that you're doing this badly with your shooting from the position of, I imagine trying to help you get better. Right. He is not saying, Hey, you're a piece of shit. Go die in a ditch because you shoot bad. Dude, so like, there's, there's a, uh, a group of guys that that is their argument all the time where it's like, Hey, you put something out on social one. One, if you put anything out on social media and someone has something, a counterpoint to say against it, that's not a personal attack and it's not toxic, right? It, I don't believe it is. I never will. I'll never subscribe to that. And it's one. I didn't, make that fucking post. If you don't want people to comment on it, make your goddamn account private. Right. Right. But you can't do that because you're, you're promoting a business, right? I'm not attacking your business. I'm just saying this doesn't make sense. You caught me at this time or whatever. None of these fucking dudes I follow. So I'm trying to actively not see your shit. And then it just pops up because I'm, I'm in the we're in the same industry space or whatever. And you make a comment. And more times than not, it all divulges down to, well, you know, we're just trying. It's like moral, the moral high ground argument. We're all really good dudes. It's like, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm sure you're amazing guys. And I would even say, like, go so far as to anyone in this space. We're all we all share commonalities like we all probably you know, violently support the second amendment, like aggressively support the two a community. And, and then that that's one argument they come at like, Oh, this is bad for the community. It's like, let's get one thing straight. We're not a fucking community in the training industry. We have no. competing efforts across the board. Like there are polar opposite. We're, we're working towards the same thing with training people, but there are, there are individuals that I share polar opposite viewpoints on a lot of different major issues with regards to training. We can all agree. Like you support the second, like we all think the NFA should go away. Yes. I agree with that. We could probably sit around and not talk about training and sit in a bar and have beers and get along. Great. But sure. people can't separate that. They're like, like, Oh, well, it's a personal attack, dude. Like I tell everybody, let me t tell you one thing, dude, you're so fucking soft. If I was personally attacking you, it would look a lot differently than this. It would yeah. be remarkably different than this. And then 
I also wouldn't personally attack you the way that I would like to on social media. Yeah, because it's like, there for the world to see. Like it's not that it doesn't happen, but uh, yeah, there again, there has to be a certain amount of honesty, you know, and like, and I'll be, I'll be up, uh, you know, straight up with it. Like I've struggled with that. When people give me feedback, I'm like, all right, is this like I'll I'll run it past friends sometimes. I'm like, is this person being a dick or am I just being too soft? Like, am I applying tone that's not there? That's the problem with electronic communication is you can't you don't always get the tone from stuff. I think in the shooting space, there are a lot of people that get torqued up and get a lot of heartburn over shit that they really don't need to. Like it's a difference of opinion. At the end of the day, that's really what it ends up or what where it ends. You know, no one's saying you have to listen, but like that doesn't mean the other person is wrong just for having a different point of fucking view. Not in no. its essence, at least. No, I don't I think there there's a lot of different now, some things are like well, some of it's some obviously of the most, shit. Yeah. Some of those recent ones, like there was uh, whatever they, I don't even know what is his, his company's got some weird name, but he has a handlebar mustache and he doesn't like sw- slings. So he makes a video of shooting an AK where he just throws the AK that. on the ground. And it's like, all right, dude, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is not the thing I needed to see on a Monday morning <laughs> type shit. And Whenever that got posted, I got that like 50 times in messages. And it's like, holy shit. Like, okay, maybe that opinion might not be okay to have. It's still your opinion. You can do whatever you want. Sure. But also, I can do whatever I want to counter that opinion. If we can't agree on that, then like your position isn't any stronger than mine. Right. And from a point counterpoint standpoint, it's the same way. Hey, working out in kit. Cool. If you want to post a video of you working out in PT gear, your plate carrier, your helmet, your nods doing deadlifts, you can do that. That's a good point. But now I can also comment whatever the fuck I want to on that. And if you if that makes you mad, that's a you fucking problem and not a me problem. Because, like, I I just don't see that as a – I see it for what it is. So I'm going to say all the things for what I think it is. Now, you can always gauge where, okay, that hit a nerve because probably what I'm saying might be a little bit true. Probably. I think that's why people have those emotional responses is – it's like that uh, refusal to acknowledge being incorrect about something or acknowledge that maybe they're just less right than they want to be. I mean, for a long time, people were that way about dry practice, right? Dry fire. Well, dry fire is not going to make you better, bro. Dry fire is not going to get you, you know, where you want to be. You got to hit the range. You got to, you know, dry practices for what I I mean, I've seen it hurt a bunch of it. And it's like, I think there's enough people out there that are way better at this than you that would have a different opinion, not to say just because in mass saying something or a large group of people saying something makes it automatically true. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's enough evidence from those people and the, the output, right? The performance that they've had competitive shooting, things like that. I've not had one single competitive shooter that I've come across or or talked to or anything that has said, you shouldn't dry fire. It's not good for you. But there was certainly those guys out there screaming about why it's a dumb idea. There's the tactical guys, right? And they're, 
And the one thing I'll say, we all know the tactical guy we're talking about, and it'd be like, hey, how's your journey to make GM going? <laughs> it's He came out and was like, oh, I'll be GM in a year. Uh, fucking absolutely not. No, you won't. So good luck. How long How long did it take you to make it? Uh, I, I don't know when you started competitively shooting, but how long did it take you to make it to the point of Grandmaster? Eight months. Damn. Okay, but it's, so it's possible. That, that's a skewed metric because I had been shooting practically for 10 years. I just hadn't been competing. So... Okay, so let me ask then that with when someone uh, says, "Okay, I'm a I'm a USPSA right Grandmaster," what does one have to do to get to that point? Is it? I, I'm just I'm not familiar with it at all. Other than I know that it carries that, that you can, you can perform well. Yeah, it's so you can make GM through the classifier system. So it's a group of standard exercises that are shot in matches, typically in a, a club level match or, or, you know, section match or area match, you will have one, one classifier, maybe two classifiers in a normal match. So you shoot that within the classifier, there's a thing called high hit factor, right? The high hit factor is the, the highest hit factor that was ever shot in that, on that classifier in a national level match. So, you know, you take El Prez, like in production, and this may have changed, but El Prez's high hit factor was 10.3. So that is what the, that is the highest hit factor that was ever shot on that classifier in a major match. Okay. So if you shoot, you know, if, to be a GM, you're shooting within 90 for 95% of that. If 10.3 is that hit factor, and you shoot, let's say, 10.0, that might be 96%. That is a GM-level run. Now, if you accumulate enough of those, right, and the scoring system becomes very, very complicated where you shoot four matches, your first four classifier gives you an initial classification, and then after you've shot eight, they take your six highest, most current, and they form an average, right? And that's what would give you... Um, you have an initial classification, and then you'll get your classification. Once you have eight, your initial is still your initial. So if you classify as a GM, you're going to be a GM forever. Um, so that's, you know, GM is 95% to 100 of the high hit factor. On that M class, master class is 85 to 95. And then A class is 75 to 85. And it goes down to B and C and D class, you know, are lower. So it's just a percentage. Now, there's another way to make make GM would be you can make it if you're shooting a major match and within any division, I believe it's there's three GMs also shooting that division and the field is of a certain size, then your overall match score counts as a classifier score. So if you win the match and you get 100%, as a win 100% of the match points, that counts as 100 to your average. If you shoot, if you get like a, so I shot Wisconsin section match when I was unclassified and I, I ended up 89% of the guy that won. 
um, which I believe was Tampo Timmy was the guy that won that match. So I was 89% of him. So that counted as a, as a, as a major match score to my classification for, for carry optics as an 89. Okay. And so, so it's a, it's a, it's a complicated system, right? The, I think the big takeaway would be kind of GM is the highest level. M class would be next a class. I believe between a class M class and GM in terms of skill level, it's all the same skill level. The difference is what a GM can do on demand every time is going to be significantly different than what an A-class guy can do on demand every time. So in terms of, so, and that would be in terms of everything. So speed in terms of marksmanship, like the whole picture. Yeah. It's a balance of, so everything is scored hit factor, you know, which is taking, it's a balance of speed and accuracy. And then the USPSA scoring system is, you know, you would think the higher the hit factor on a stage, if it's a 10, 11, 12, 13, speed is going to be favored more than accuracy. You're still not going to get the scores you want if you're missing or hitting deltas, but it's balancing speed and accuracy. Kind of the mid-level ones where you would look at, uh, you know, above five, six, seven, eight, those are a, a blend of both speed. Speed and accuracy are of equal value. You need to be fast and you need to be accurate. Lower hit factors, five and under, three, fours, longer field courses are going to favor accuracy more than speed. It does. It's not saying that the speed element is not considered, but you need to be accurate, right? You You could on a four hit factor long field course, you know, you can run it two, three, four seconds faster than somebody, but you shoot 10 Charlies. He's a guy that, that runs it three seconds later and has, doesn't have those Charlies is going to have better points and the hit factors are going to work out in his favor. So hearing all, I mean, I, I, that actually, that just puts me at an absolute loss for why people would look at competitive shooting and say that it's not, it's somehow negligible or doesn't matter. I mean, the standard to which you can repeat those same actions, which I mean, putting rounds on paper or steel or whatever reloads, like it's all the same stuff. It's just in a different context. It is. How is where it is less valuable. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, yeah, so tactical shooters do that. The tactical guys do that. It One, because they look at it again. Two, because they can't do it. They would, most of those guys that are perpetuating that would be very low level, like D and C class shooters. They would get crushed by little kids at matches. And that that's Damn. something that their psyche and their egos couldn't handle. They, it couldn't because I'm this gunfighter or whatever. It's like, well, so first off, you can't be a gunfighter if you've never been in a gunfight. You're just an enthusiast that really likes guns and you like equipment. That's a fair point. That's a different thing, right? So stop referring to yourself as a gunfighter or a tactical dude. It's it's the same way as like, well, because you carry a pistol EDC and you have all of these things, you build your life around EDC, like that's an enthusiast thing. 
you are enthusiastic about your personal protection. And that's one thing that doesn't make you a tactical guy, right? If anything, you can, I was just talking to my wife about this today. So you can always say that, like, saw a guy in the grocery store that had like a, he was outside, outside the waistband carrying like a Uncle Mike's oh, holster, no. some gun, nylon holster with his shirt over it. And then he hiked it up, open carry. And it, I was like, okay, so there's something to be said. Like, like I could look at that dude and I feel safe in assuming like you have very, very low level of skill. Right. So nobody that is really good at shooting or anything goes out and buys an uncle Mike's or phobias holster. It yeah. carries it outside the waistband. So that is a consistent thing. I, I would think from my view. Now you have guys that can have like all of the top shelf. They buy a tenacore holster, a T1G holster, a T-Rex arms holster. They've got all the gear. They've got the best gun. They've got everything and they can still have very low level of skill. The common thing is you're never going to have a very high level skill guy that doesn't have decent equipment. Yeah. It, you just, you don't know. Cause you know, your, your level of commensurate knowledge has risen to the point where you realize like it doesn't make you a better shooter, but bad gear will make you a worse shooter. Yeah. You like know? maybe, maybe a, a nylon uncle Mike's holster carrying yeah. an appendix is not the best call. I got to imagine the safety there is uh, coming into question as well as I wonder what the draw speed on something like that with the, cause they all have that stupid strap that you have to unbutton to draw and everything. And they're just some of the, I mean, some of the it, shittiest holsters I've ever seen. It, it was, I'm telling you at the grocery store today, it, it was an amazing experience. Was he carrying a Springfield XD? Because I usually see those two things being fairly Dude. synonymous. So I did I did get a picture of it, but I don't know what I couldn't tell. I only saw the magazine base plate. Um I, I didn't see what it was. The uh the second guy that had it, he had a um a beretta, the PX four, I think it was. Oh, the storm. I hate that yeah. gun. I fucking hate that gun. I think it's oh, ugly and shit, and it, I don't think that it. I just don't think it's particularly good. I've never, I've never shot one. I know there's plenty of guys. I know Ernest Langdon loves them, but I also know that Beretta pays them. So I don't. Yeah. I haven't seen anyone, from my experience, that goes into a gun store. It's like, oh, Beretta Storm. But I'll take it. Let me get that one. That's all me. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally don't like double single action, but I've only shot, I've I've shot one, and it was enough to put me off of it. It was a uh, <clears throat> like a, a full size Sig. I had a buddy who was a Michigan State trooper. It's a full size Sig. I think it was double action only. Actually, and I'm thinking about it in 40, and it's just the longest, nastiest trigger pull I've ever experienced on a gun. I was like, no, nah, that that's enough. Are you sure you want to do a couple more? I'm like, no, give me my Glock back. I don't. No, I'm not. I'm not fucking touching this thing again. Screw that. There's, yeah, I've trained with some some agencies that have uh, one of the HKs that like that. It's it's like a double action only gun, 
and uh, yeah yeah i know what you're talking about i don't they all their naming conventions uh kind of confusing yeah but it uh not something like it's like i don't think i don't think you're dep- i get it different agencies different requirements but like i don't think you guys are setting yourself up for success good news is i they don't shoot a lot sh- shoot people a lot or need guns to that capacity so it, i get it the argument is like get whatever fucking you guys can Go back to wheel guns. It doesn't really matter for you. You're not yeah. in gunfights regularly. Well, and that's just one of those things where it it's a it's a personal pet peeve for me because I I have a, a really good friend, great guy, worked in law enforcement. He's the one I borrowed his SIG. He actually now is moving to a federal agency, and you know I got to spend time over the holidays on the phone. Like, oh man, you know, went to the academy. I used a red dot on a pistol for the first time and told me how great it is. Like, yeah, man, I. I've had one for four years now, so welcome. Um, we've been doing it for a while, but they'll those same kind of people, you know, will lord over folks that while well, I was in law enforcement, I went to this this uh, agency's academy, and we set the bar for X Y Z from a training standpoint, and you wouldn't understand. Um, and I'm, I, I just, I, I really, I, I hate that that attitude and that approach to to training because i don't know in my experience most of the law enforcement people i've shot with are not actually great shooters and i think that that's a direct reflection of the environment they've been trained in for them i think that i think that's probably fair um i will say like the the law enforcement guys that i that end up finding their way into my classes are usually i would say better than most other Ellie guys like I haven't ever had I try to like give descriptions of the class like hey this isn't basic like it's not basic it's not advanced but we're gonna shoot a lot we're gonna train a lot like don't you're you're gonna come in in two days you know we're gonna shoot a thousand rounds pistol a thousand rounds rifle and that typically lends itself to guys signing up for the course that are really interested in shooting and they've at least done, you know, a moderate amount of work to, to train themselves in terms of dry fire and live fire, or they have decent understandings. They're, you know, they're familiar with Ben's book. They're, they're familiar with dry firing. They, they understand, you know, kind of the competitive world and, and performance-based shooting. So, that's uh, a little different now in conferences I've done. Yeah. You get guys that, that kind of point the gun kind of everywhere, you know, and aren't necessarily really good. I've, I've seen everything from like guys holding pistols with revolver grips, Ooh. you know, th- thumbs are all tangled up. I've seen some teacuping and things like that, like kind of stuff that's, Hey, this is going to be a heavy lift for you for two days trying to sort this out. So well, that's what that's what you know. I don't understand guys like that, regardless of their background, that don't ever want to seek out. Um, they, they don't want to seek out training. They don't want to seek out help from other people. <clears throat> now they, oh, I was uh, in the military, so this is what I need to know. Um, or I was in the reserves, so I get to train once a month on the government's time. Or I was in law enforcement, and I go through whatever mandated training. But they never look to anything else, and. 
I think it, you know, that's where everybody looks, you know, you buy your first gun. Hey, I got a buddy who's a cop. Maybe I'll ask him because I don't know who else to ask. And that's the kind, that's the kind of incestuous, like knowledge and training ideas that get passed down. And, you know, those are the same people that turn around and like you were talking about earlier. Oh, marksmanship isn't a, a primary concern. There's other things you should be more concerned with when you're out here, you know, rolling around doing uh, gangster shit. I don't know what the fuck to call it, but like, <laughs> yeah. And th- there's definitely like a, you know, there's a civilian, a civilian component now that is very focused on, you know, revolutionary type activities like, Oh, it's, it's very militia based or whatever. And there, and that also is like cart before the horse. Like I'm focusing on patrolling and, and you got to be able to land nav. And it's like, okay, outside of your house and you're going to start moving overland. Like how, what is, if you ask them very basic things, like what's your map situation look like, dude? Like, d- did you buy all of the, you know, USGS maps for, you know, 20K around your area? Cause then you got a fucking four foot stack of maps sitting there do you even know how to navigate across the map sheet right it's it's more complicated than what you but you've but you've gotten enough knowledge from social media in this like prepping type world where oh you're gonna go up into the hills like i don't think that that's a a good move or that's that is honestly the most realistic way to be if you're if you're interested in that by all means train that Sure. But I also don't think you understand, like, in the event of, like, all-out shit-hits-the-fan-type war, what that looks like. No, it's... It, it, the, the dudes that are coming to get you, they got fucking belt-fed machine guns yeah, that can touch you before they don't even need to get close to you. And that's the the world where people live in, like, oh, I'm going to... I'll defend this. It's like, you'll defend that right up to the point where a Humvee with a Dylan arrow rolls up down your street and choose your fucking house in half. Like you don't, that's what, that's what that type of war looks like. So stop talking about that. And also I think if that's your mentality and that's where you want to go, that shit gets done where you don't put anything out on social media. That's, and that's the, that's the funny part, isn't it? You know, these guys are talking about all this living off the grid or operating off the grid and um, you're going to get killed because you can't do these things or you don't, you know, spend your time on your weekends hanging out in the woods, talking to a log. And it's there's some value there. But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, and I don't know where you live, Matt, but where I live, houses are like 25 feet apart. It's very suburban. And I have to drive almost an hour to get to anywhere that is isolated enough where I could even practically apply a lot of these skills. Yeah. I'd say there's not value there, but my immediate concern is operating within my, the, the area I live in and but how I'm going to do the things. It's, I need a, to do here. it's also guys that don't understand like a siege on a city. It's like, no, they're not going to come occupy the whole city. They're just going to stop choke points. They're going to isolate the roads and then you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You're, oh, well, I would just, my bug out bag. Like, no, you're going to make it to the first checkpoint and then it's over. Your bug out situation is ended. 
like that those I'm, I'm glad we don't see too many of those anymore people's uh videos and stuff on bug out bags and it's like actually bugging in is probably a better plan maybe just buy some more food yeah hunkered hunker down and see what happens like i don't know i um yeah i don't i would like to think that you know for everyone even like all americans too it's the the outcome of that or the the actual like conduct of something like that happening is so catastrophic for everyone that we never get to that point that's right how I get, you never say never, never say always, but there's almost a certain sect of people that seem like they're craving that to happen. Oh, yeah. And those are the people like you don't even understand what that level of war looks like. Like, I don't want that for my kids. I mean, I have a lot of kids. I've got kids in the military. I work for the government. Like, this is not something that anyone wants. No. And that's, and honestly, I see so much of that because it's, it's clickbait, you know, it draws eyes. I see there's so many people out there that like will post stuff. Oh, the end is coming. It's on its way. Uh, financial collapses here and, you know, everything's failing. And, you know, if you're just now getting prepared, you're, you're, you're basically dead already. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You don't know your fucking ass from a hole in the ground, you know? Oh, well we had, we had two or three banks fail. I'm like, well, I can tell you as somebody who works in finance, I could tell you why that happened. I could also tell you why this mass collapse you're telling everybody on YouTube about is probably a lot less realistic than you want them to believe. Same thing with, you know, yeah. oh, let's all take to the streets. Let's let's all jump to guerrilla warfare. And it's like, I, I don't I don't think you understand what you're saying. I think you're full of shit. Yeah, but you, you got a platform, so go ahead and say it, I guess. You can't say it, but you're also, it's creating a bunch of angst and a bunch of, um, you know, thought processes that probably aren't good. They're not constructive. They're not, it's not building people up to actually, you know, be sustainable like that. No one wins in that situation. You take right. to the streets in guerrilla warfare. All right. Well, you better hope you guessed right or other than your fugitives and to date, like I want to say probably like post-1930, I haven't seen anyone really win against law enforcement. Uh, no, they usually just wait you out, beat you with sheer numbers because they can <laughs> yeah. escalate. Like your point of escalation is getting your body armor and your rifle. Their point of escalation is getting 20 more people, armored vehicle. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't. It You can't win, you know, or, or you, you won't. You probably won't. And that particular instance not to say the whole armed revolution thing that's how we were founded as a country that's in my mind a completely separate discussion you know i think that when people look at that and they fall to that for everything it starts to lose value though so now yeah the armed revolution thing like we were founded as a country like that but we were fighting a separate country that was geographically isolated from us right i don't think within the civil war that we fought in this country anyone won I, I would, yeah, I would say there's a lot of evidence to support that. I would say you could, yes, a side one, technically, but I don't think anybody really walked away from that going. We're way better. No. no, it was just a bunch of Americans killing other Americans, and that's where I think people need to get away from this idea that at any point I get it. Like it's the Constitution exists to raise up against tyranny, 
but now you're talking about fighting your own government. There's other ways to fight that, right? In terms of how you vote, how you, you know, are getting messages across. But at any point, you think you're going to take up arms against the government. I mean, even if the military became fractured, like as as somebody that came from the U.S. mil, you are not fucking winning that whatever and then also it's devastating for americans to even think about shooting other americans if that's where your psyche is like you're fucking wrong already i, I agree 100 percent. i i say it all the time you, you got to play the game to win the game right so and one of the things that kills me especially in in the 2a space for some fucking reasons all these people that uh well i am i'm so moral and I'm so just, I will not let immoral men govern me. So I'm not going to vote. Like, well, how the fuck do you think they got there? Because people like you don't vote. And there's enough of you not voting that then these people get voted in by the people that watch CNN. And that's how we ended up here. We just did that for, we behaved that specific way for long enough that now those are the people that are making the rules. You want it to change, put out, put out correct information on firearms. Correct your friends when they say things that are wrong. Show up to vote. Be an active part in your community. Like, there's a lot of fucking things you can do to to fight the fight that don't involve picking up a fucking gun. Like, let's just be real about yeah. it. Is it glamorous? No. Is it going to be a pain in the ass sometimes? More than likely. But that's kind of how it, it works. And if you can't, and this is just me, and I'll get off my soapbox, but like, if you can't acknowledge that and realize that, then you're not as dedicated to fighting that fight as you want everyone to believe you are. Just yeah, my opinion. I, I think a lot of dudes, it's just like asking guys to train. As soon as you flip it and put it back on them and you're like, hey, you got to do some work. They're like, nope, I got nothing. You just want to sit on a on a table or stand up on a chair and bark. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's do some work about this. Right. Get committed to it, to some aspect of this where you're actually now working towards an end state and and you what you see is now interest really dips off or they're like well my work is i just shit talk on this platform or whatever this is what i'm doing it's like well have you raised money for this have you have you given money to that right like i know i'll routinely when those fpc things come up and you're you're looking at like donations like every chance i'm Filling out the form, sending that the to my representative, sending my explanation. Hey, this is why I don't think this is good. This is how I would like you to vote. Like that's how the process works. At no point is it crossing my mind to go get gunned up and go do something. Like, no, hell no. That's the wrong answer, man. And I get it. In terms, of, but but again, just like the training thing, the the prepper space is huge. So if you can. And, the, and these companies do it. If I can instill a little bit of fear in terms of what it's all, it's all morally just, you're going to be prepared. Like, I don't care if you want to go buy freeze dried food and bury it all over your yard, fucking by all means, go do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. that's go do that. Like I get having some extra food. Yes. In a national emergency, that's going to make sense. Like being, being self-sustainable. Yes. That makes a ton of sense. It's why we have a guard. It's why we have chickens. You know, we're interested in it, but we also have that because we have a lot of fucking kids and it's a better way to live, you know? So yeah. 
But I think we don't do that based off of fear. We do it because to us, it just makes sense, but we're not promoting like the fucking collapse of society is why we're, but if that's your thing, then by all means do it. I also think though, that the companies that promote that in terms from a fear-based side, I, I, I necessarily don't, I don't think that's right. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a marketing thing. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think you, you pretty much nailed it there. Um, but uh, I know we're kind of coming up against it, Matt. Um, I want to say thank you again for taking the time and and sitting down oh. with me. This has been awesome. Uh, hopefully we can do it again in the future. Um, you know, for anybody, Anytime. anybody listening uh, that, that doesn't already know, where can, where can folks find you online if they want to check out your information and what you got going on? Uh, Instagram is probably where I'm putting out most of the training content. Uh, it's xray.alpha.llc. So at X-Ray Alpha, pretty shadow band. So you might have to type the whole thing in. I've got that one. I've got a backup. That's just X-Ray Alpha LLC. Uh, that's that's probably the easiest thing. I have a website, www.xrayalpha.com, where I'm listing classes. Uh, try to get a little bit better about writing content on there. And I post it in sort of a blog format, just thoughts about shooting, things like that. But most of the videos live on um, IG. And then I've got a guy that migrates them over to YouTube. So Awesome. That's where you find me. Well, cool, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll obviously we'll be in touch and uh, enjoy the holiday weekend. I will. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Take care. So great, great discussion with, with Matt Pranka there. You know, um, didn't didn't know what we were going to really get into. Um, didn't kind of know what to expect. Uh, Matt has a lot of experience, you know, military, uh, competitive or, or practical shooting or performance, you know, shooting, whatever you guys want to call it. He's got he's got a lot of knowledge and experience. Right. Um, and it's great to have people like Matt out in the community as not only as sources of information, um, as as willing teachers and mentors and coaches, but also, you know, as he mentioned, sometimes it's not popular. Sometimes is the person that's willing to stand up and say, Hey, that's wrong. You know, um, I think when we're talking about a lot of this stuff, it is absolutely necessary to have people like that. And not just somebody that willing, that's willing to say that something is wrong, but that is willing to have the conversation and, uh, and, and justify their point of view and, and have the conversation, things like that. So, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys already follow Matt on Instagram and on YouTube. Um, he definitely has a lot of great conversations and, and highly recommend you guys check out what he's doing. Uh, cause there's, there's a lot that he shares. There's a lot to be learned from, from those discussions, even, even if you don't agree with all of it. I think if there's anything that can be said about any of the guests that, that, you know, come on this podcast, it's that you don't have to agree with everything that they say or do or want to do or have done. Right. Uh, but you can certainly learn from all of these people. And I think that's one of the the parts that I enjoy the most about being able to, to do this. Um, and I, I hope you guys are learning as well. Obviously, I hope that's why you guys keep tuning in, keep checking out what we're doing. I mean, the numbers are going up. Um, so clearly I think we're doing, we're doing some things right. And that's, it's awesome to see if you guys want to continue to support us, you know, and if you've hung out this long into the recording, um, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. For as little as three dollars, you guys can you can support what we're doing here. It helps make this uh, this effort and these things possible. Um, if any of you guys are from you know familiar with streaming services or 
you know, any professional services, you know, that this stuff costs money. Um, and we don't currently make, uh, anything, you know, it's not, we're not, it's not a profitable endeavor, um, which isn't really why I do it. Um, but obviously the financial support helps so we can do more things. We can invest more time and effort and energy into things like that to, uh, just to do more, do better. Um, and we appreciate your support. We appreciate you guys hanging out and listening. You know, uh, this is, uh, this is, I think a point for us where we're looking at making, uh, some, some pretty big steps and some pretty big strides, hopefully going into the rest of 2023 and very excited. A lot of the opportunities, um, both on the pod and off of the pod that are headed our way, hopefully, right. Um, working on a couple side projects and things that hopefully will manifest themselves, um, that we're, looking forward to being able to share with you all and, you know, and hopefully that's the way it it plays out. You know, I think with what we have planned here, maybe, maybe I'll do an episode on that. You know, maybe I'll do an episode where I talk about the plans that, uh, that I have for the team here at prepared mindset, the growth that we're experiencing here at prepared mindset. Um, and what that can hopefully mean for the future and the additional opportunities and, and information we'll be able to share with you all as we continue down this road of, of learning and, and, you know, discussion and things like that. So, um, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Uh, if you're listening to this at the time of release, uh, it's Memorial day weekend. I hope everybody has the opportunity to barbecue and spend time with good friends and good people and, and remember everything that has led to us having this holiday and celebrating this holiday, whatever that means for you. You know, if you have friends that are adversely impacted, reach out, check on, check on each other. Um, but do absolutely take the opportunity as I don't believe any of us do enough, right. To, to hang out and spend time with each other and connect and just be in good spirits. Uh, but I, again, I sincerely appreciate you guys, you know, hanging out listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, certainly going to have more, more of the same coming over the next few weeks. You guys know, uh, every week we have a new episode coming out with, uh, usually with some new interview guests or new topics of discussion, things like that. Uh, so stay tuned for more of that. But until then, everybody, you guys enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Get out there, hit the range, hopefully. And like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. Be prepared.